0: It's good to see everybody out on a Tuesday night. It's Tuesday, y'all know, right? It's It's Tuesday night. Normally we'd be having Bible study, but you know. Praise God. I'm going to read our scripture again from Deuteronomy. When you are about to engage in battle, the priest is to come forward and address the army. He is to say to them, listen, Israel, today you are about to engage in battle with your enemies do not be cowardly. Do not be afraid, alarmed, or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to give you victory. And I've had this scripture on my heart for about a month now, and, and if you know anything about me, I like to preach, I like to preach on victory. I like to preach on conquering and overcoming. I like to preach on identity in Christ. And the Lord said last Sunday, you're going to preach on this, and I want to talk about this battle, okay? Because if we were in the days of Braveheart, right, we would sharpen our bows, make our sticks really long, <laughs> we would have armor, and we would go out to battle. We put on our face and we would know what we were fighting for. We would know what the battle is. But folks, this is a different kind of battle. And this is a battle that most Americans, at least in our generation, have never had to fight. We are living in a post-Christian society. Okay? What does that mean? It means we are no longer a Christian nation. It means our society, our morals, our laws are no longer governed and dictated by the statutes of the word of God. They are dictated by our surrounding society, our society and its morals, the world's values, the world's philosophies. And God has removed his hand from America, and we are a nation under judgment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and judgment is is specifically, in this case, is God giving us over to what we want. And taken his hand of protection off of us. And he has given us over to what we want. And the church has been sick and lifeless to restrain the things that have needed to be restrained. So what does this mean to engage the battle? First of all, engage means that we're involved. If you were here last night, Eva said this. You are involved. We are participants in that battle. We cannot sit by idly. We cannot hibernate. And we can't go into self-preservation mode. Which is what I would like to do. (laughs) But we must engage. The Christian way of life is under attack. And we will be more and more persecuted for our beliefs. And if you do nothing, if you say nothing, and if you don't engage, you may be fine before men, but you will never be able to stand before God. And if you're looking for easy ministry in a post-Christian culture, you are unrealistic in your outlook. In Jude verses three and four, it says, dear friends. Although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share. So Jude here, he said, you know, I, I really want to talk about our salvation in Christ and what this looks like and how glorious it is. He said, but I can't. I got to write to you something that's way more pressing. And he said, I found it necessary to write and exhort you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once and for all. For some men who were de- designated for this judgment long ago have come in by stealth They are ungodly, turning the grace of our God into promiscuity, denying Jesus Christ, our only master and Lord. And folks, good works are not under attack. If you have a ministry of works, you're not going to be under attack. Good works are not under under attack. The word of God is under attack. The word of God is under attack. The Christian way of living is under attack. The way we gather, the things we believe, the things we hold dear, the word of God, the deity of Christ, all of these things are under attack. And so Jude tells us, contend for the faith. He doesn't say contend for your faith. He doesn't say contend for my faith. He doesn't say contend for your own ministry or my own ministry, but the faith. This means the words of Scripture and doctrines, tenets, ways, and precepts that have been around for 2,000 years. And then this generation is the one that that is self-aware and they know better. They know what's right and good and true. And on the basis of the Word of God, there is such a thing as apostasy. And when we see a real turning away from God... We are not faithful to the word of God unless we call it what it is. We must call apostasy apostasy. And if we do not speak out against sin and unrighteousness, we are not ready for revival. We are cowardly mice. And in the words of Tozer, God will not revive mice. And the world, and many Christians, quite frankly, have made a Frankenstein Jesus. Yeah. This was not my coining. This was Pastor Jay's coining. Mm-hmm. I stole from <laughs> <laughs> a Jesus. <laughs> all, cre- all, 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 all credit goes to Jay. <laughs> but what we have now is this Frankenstein Jesus that people have wow. sewed together. Yeah. This, is, this is what I want Jesus to be. This is who he is to me. My personal relationship with Jesus. No. Yeah. And Christianity is individual in that each man must be converted and he must be born again. But it is not individualistic. Right. Right. Grace flows sideways, as another pastor friend says. Grace flows sideways and salvation as in, in the beginning is of a people. And our relationship to each other and the body is of the utmost importance. And the world is telling us how, when, where, under what conditions we can worship. And the rebellious individual Christians are getting on board with them. And I was so grieved this past, you know, March, whenever it was, right? When I watched on social media, when the government was closing down things and, and closing down the churches, and so many of these individual Christians were saying, The church has left the building! Let's go! The New Testament only met in houses! And I was like, You know, first of all, most American Christians would have never made it under the Roman Empire. You want to talk about a New Testament Christian? And one of the things I do, I I, I study, I study the word of God. I study in the Greek. I study in the Hebrew. I do not speak those. I just, you know, have mass references to study these things. And I study church history. If you don't know anything about church history, the church um, actually meant daily. Oh, yeah. Nice. Which is what we're doing this week. (laughs) They meant daily. They meant in homes. They meant in temples. They met in Greek schools. They met in the catacombs. And they gave up everything to be together. And for 2,000 years, the church has followed this example. And so do, do, do we as adults here, do we go back to wearing diapers and sucking our thumbs and taking a bottle? Because that was how we were in our beginning stages. <laughs> Because, like a body, we are to grow, develop, and mature. Yeah. And the local church in the gathering was God's idea, yeah. not man's. Yeah. Right. It's God's idea. Yeah. And many inside and outside the church are rewriting the Word of God. Yeah. They're twisting, manipulating God's Word. They're telling us we are closed minded, yeah. we are ignorant. We are intolerant. We are legalistic. Now we're racist and we're bigoted. And, tw- and this, is a, this is actually a liberal—a liberal percentage, twenty to twenty-five percent of confessing Christians only have a biblical worldview. That means seventy-five percent to eighty percent have a worldview view. Means that things don't flow from the Word of God. Modern Christians turn grace into licentiousness and they continue to live a life of sin and rebellion and think that their good work is good enough. Jeremiah spoke to people like this. He said, behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. Will you still and murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known and come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name. And say, we are delivered. Only to go on doing all these abominations. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I myself have seen it, declares the Lord. And further on, Jeremiah says, for both prophet and priest are profane. Yes, in my house, I have found their wickedness, says the Lord. And it is a horrible thing to dwell in wickedness if you are one of God's people. But to bring it, wickedness, into the house of God is a double sin. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 through 10, it says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And he's talking to a church of believers. And he said, Do not be deceived. Why does he say do not be deceived? Because we deceive ourselves. He says, neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers. And the, the, if you don't know what a reviler is, it's actually really a really scornful person that uses abusive language and they're flanderers. Yeah. Nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And we must have revival if the church is going to be victorious in these last days. But before we can have revival, there must be a reformation. See, revival speaks to a life that's been brought into a proper relationship with the Holy Spirit. Reformation speaks to return to the teaching of scripture. And the church must return to pure doctrine in order for the power of the Holy Spirit to be realized in the lives of our people. There can be no true revival unless there's been reformation. And reformation is not complete without revival. These two go hand in hand. We must treat men with love. But we cannot tone down our message. And speaking lightly of what is serious is serious. You cannot tell of his love without telling of his wrath and judgment. And we cannot think that we'll be accepted by this culture if we preach the true word of God. We will not be accepted. It's foolishness to think that. To preach the truth of the word of God is to experience the price of the cross of Christ and to be hated by all for his name's sake. Ask yourself this question. If you see the word of God diminished as it is today, and you are not moved to tears and indignation. I wonder if you can even see clearly the day in which we live. Not just in anger over our liberties being taken away. And if we can see how his word is treated and we're not filled with sorrow and do not cry out, do not understand your end. I wonder, do you love his word? If we fight these battles without emotional involvement, do we really love God? The church is currently the greatest and hardest mission field. Not unlike the day of Jeremiah when he had to preach to an apostate people. Folks, Christianity is not a modern success story. It is to be preached with love and tears into the hearts of men. Preached without compromise and without regards to the world's concept of success. Because we may never see the results. But it does not change God's imperative to preach the word and contend for the faith no matter what the cost. And our confidence is in the Lord and we need not be ashamed of the gospel and the answers it gives to men. As Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also the Greek. And Peter says his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he is granted to his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Folks, and not a worldly wisdom, not a worldly philosophy, not the world's ways, not the world's successes, God's power to make a sinner a new creation. And the power of God to overcome every sin. Every sin can be overcome by the power of God. Every thought, every arrow the enemy shoots our way. Every division since the fall of Adam. The gospel speaks to every need of man. There is not Jesus plus this. It's Jesus. That's not what I'm here tonight for. That's the battle we're in. (laughs) But before we can enter this spiritual battle, folks, we need to consecrate ourselves to the Lord. The church has been lukewarm and apathetic. And as in the days of the Laodicean church, the lukewarm cannot see clearly. Jesus' estimation of the church was that they were wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Now, what's interesting about the Church of Laodicea and, and you know, uh, people that know me, I, I do bring a lot of revelation into my um, preaching because I'm very familiar with the book of Revelation. I have, I have, uh, I have um, studied it for 25 years. When I say studied it, I have studied it. The, the, the lukewarm church, what I believe is the last church in history. Okay? Laodicea means judgment of the people. That's what the word means. It means judgment of the people. And and it's it, it, it most commentators and scholars will tell you it was the worst church of all the seven churches. And the thing about what really gets me about the churches in Revelation is that their diagnosis of their condition was different than God's diagnosis yeah. of their condition. He speaks to a church. He's speaking to churches. And, and I, I, I was in a church one time where a preacher was preaching on um, this church and he, he, he preached on a very joking manner. And I said, this is not a joking manner. This is nothing to joke about. Because the Lord says, if you don't repent... You are vomited out. Yeah. And a lukewarm person is, is comfortable. It's comfortable Christianity. Yeah. It's someone that says, I can do what I want. I can go where I want. I can spend my time how I want to spend my time. I can spend my money how I want to spend my money. Because I'm I'm fine. I'm good. Yeah. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Your diagnosis is not my diagnosis. We need to look at ourselves through the lens of scripture with a sober mind. Because if if these churches in Revelation show us anything, they show us we cannot diagnose our own heart. We deceive ourselves. We have to allow God to diagnose our true condition. Because many have lived according to their own desires in autonomous ways. We have done what we want with our time, our money, the gifts the Lord has given us. We have forsaken the church, the gathering of the brethren, preferring to do what we want. We've used our money for our own purposes and our own desires, not rendering to God what is his. And so we've robbed him in tithes and offerings. We fornicate with God's people. We want fellowship, but refuse to submit. And we don't recognize the authority placed over us. We misuse the beautiful and precious gifts of the Holy Spirit to manipulate others. We have been greedy, we have been selfish, we have been self-centered, and we've been controlled by fear instead of the Spirit of God. We have disobeyed the Lord's laws and precepts, and we have blasphemed His name by saying, I am free to do all these things. And because He is a merciful and Long-suffering God, we have taken advantage of his kindness. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, that is, separate yourselves for a special holy purpose, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And whenever you see the nation of Israel was going to go into battle and they were, we're going to do something, the Lord always said, take time and consecrate yourself. Yeah. And sometimes it was a day. Sometimes it was three days. Sometimes it was seven days. Amen. However long it took for them to get things right to go into battle. And if God is going to have revival among us and do big things and the wonders that I have been praying for, that I have seen, the healings that I have seen, the deliverances that I have prayed for and sought after with tears. We must consecrate ourselves for his holy purpose. Amen. And consecrate means to set apart. It is to be holy unto the Lord. Sorry, my throat's dry. And there's a call to holiness in these last days, folks. The Bible says, without holiness, no man shall see God. And Joshua and all the Israel consecrated themselves to the Lord. But there was one man's sin that affected the whole army. Maybe you know him. Don't name your kid Achan. (laughs) Achan's sin affected the entire nation of Israel. And so in Joshua 7, 1, God said that the Israelites acted unfaithfully and his anger burned against Israel. And I want you to notice that is that the nation as a whole was in covenant relationship with God. And when one member transgressed that covenant, the entire nation's relationship with him was damaged. Because Achan's sin defiled the other members of the community as well as himself. See, our covenant with God... It's not just with God. And that is a that is a very Western individual mindset. Our covenant is with God and one another. If you are a, a rogue Christian that does what you want, wandering around, said, oh, I can go here, I can go there, I can do whatever I want, I don't have to submit to any church, I don't have to submit to any authority, you're an amputee. Our covenant is with God and with one another. And me personally, I want to know who I can trust in battle. I want to know who I'm going to battle with. I want to know who's got my back. I want to know that when we come up against something, you're not going to turn tail and run on me. Or you're not going to snitch on me. I want to know who I'm going to battle with. Revelation 22, verses 12 through 15, Jesus is saying this. He says, behold, I am coming soon. Even so come Lord Jesus, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I don't know. That sounds a little bit fearful to me. He says, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes. So that they may have right to the tree of life, that they may enter the city by the gates. But outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and the murderers and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices a lie, falsehood. Another translation reads, Blessed are those who obey his commandments. So here we have that blessing promise of obedience of keep the words of this book. Blessed are those that keep the words of this book. And this is a special blessing to those who wash their robes, who are consecrated to them, that do his commandments, that have the right and authority to the tree of life. They have admission into the city by the gate and the continuous access to the tree of life. These are privileges of the faithful who overcome sin in this present world by the blood of the Lamb. Folks, he is examining our hearts and minds and we are being sifted and refined. Yes. Yeah. We are in a process of God separating the wheat from the chafe. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was talking to Jen and in and, and the process of sifting, I don't know this, is to sift, lift up, yeah. sift and lift up, sift, lift up, sift, shake, yeah. shake. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> And the enemy only needs a crack. We're being sifted. This Sunday, I had a hard time taking communion. Because I felt so unworthy before God. I felt myself in the presence of a holy God. And then it's my offense. It was my offense that sent him to the cross. It's my offense. And I can still feel those impurities that are in my heart and the wicked thoughts I've had in my times of rebellion and my idolatry of comfort. And so many of us partake without a thought of how we might be trampling on the blood of Christ and crucifying him and so we deceive ourselves here was a few things that i needed to repent for maybe this applies to you forgive me lord for loving anything more than i love you and your things first john 2:15 do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him it's pretty straightforward Forgive me for seeking things more than I have sought for you, God. Forgive that divided heart in me. In Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. we don't often read that one. We like the 29, 11, but we don't move on. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Lord, forgive me for wanting and desiring anything more than I want and desire your word. And Peter says, like newborn infants, long for that pure spiritual milk of the word of God. That by it you may grow up into salvation. Forgive me, Lord, for putting other things first in my life ahead of you. And the Lord brought back the church of Ephesus. And this this church of Ephesus was the church of good works. But they left their first love. And the Lord says to them, I know your works. I know your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and have found them to be false. I know you're enduring patiently. You're bearing up under my namesake and you've not grown worry. He says, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. In the Greek, it's you have abandoned that first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent. He's talking to a church. He's talking to us. And he says, do the works you did at first. When you first loved me, when I was your everything, when you couldn't go anywhere without coming to me first, and you came into my arms, and you loved me, and you hugged me, and all you wanted was me more than anything And if not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. That's God's diagnosis. From a loving and kind God that cares about us. That actually cares about our condition. And that speaks truthfully to us. And he diagnoses our heart. Folks, and this battle is only going to intensify and it's going to get hotter. And if we are not wholly consecrated to the Lord... You may not come through. I heard the voice of the Lord say, get your house in order. And there's a holy remnant coming out of this folks. There's a strong spirit of deception right now that is permeating our society. It's permeating those in the church. The Bible says that even the elect would be deceived and you will never stand firm if you have a divided heart. We cannot operate in obedience and think that we're going to inherit victory. We have to get rid of all rebellion and disobedience and our idols of comfort. We have to ask God to diagnose our heart, to check our intentions, to check our motives. And actually, Pastor Matt preached on the Sunday. It, it, It goes down to our heart, what's in our heart people say, you know, I love it all the time. People say, don't judge. God knows my heart. And that should scare you. Because yeah. <laughs> his diagnosis of you may not be your diagnosis of you. Yeah. Yeah. The Lord's shown me that our victory is found in our submission. Yeah. Yeah. I think he even said some of this last night. And the first thing... We need to submit to is we need to submit to God. See, some people cannot resist the devil because they're not wholly submitted to God. And, and, and you, why is the devil attacking me? Why is he doing this to me? Well, you're not submitted to God. You're not fully submitted to God. And so you can't resist the devil. Submit to God, resist the devil, and then he will flee. You can't resist the devil. You can't put that above submitting to God. Submit to God. Husbands and wives need to be united as one. On the same page with no divisions. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And wives, submit to your husbands. You will not get victory outside of this. Wives, if you are not submitted to your husband, you are not submitted to God. Let's let that sit there for you a minute. (laughs) You need to submit to godly authority. If you're not under the authority of uh, leadership and submitted to a body of Christ, you're not submitted to God. And you're fooling yourself. You are rogue. Did you know that the pastor is the only office of the five that's responsible for people? It's the only office that's responsible for people. Yep. The shepherd has a higher responsibility than the other ministers, than the other ministry. And so if you're not submitted to him, he, he can't help you. Yeah. You're rogue. You're an amputee. You need to submit to the word of God. Folks, in this battle, comfortable Christianity will not do Christianity will not do. We need to submit to one another because what you do or do not do affects the whole what you do or do not do affects all of us. That's why I'm like, if you're going to be here, be here. Let's do this thing together. Let's go to battle together. If you're not going to be here, then don't be here. Comfortable Christianity is not going to do. Folks, things are changing. America is changing. Okay? Our faith doesn't change. We stay the same. And if we are disobedient to God, you will never stand against the enemy. God is calling a holy nation. What was engraved on the high priest's garment was holiness to the Lord. It was a holy nation, a holy body dedicated to him and one another. We are consecrated and set apart for these last days. Folks, you are here for such a time as this. Yes. And you have to believe it. You have to know that God has purposely planned for you to be here at this time in this area. You know, I, I, I talked to my friend from uh, Dallas today and you know, Texas is open. She just came back from the gym. And I was like, stop rubbing that in my face. And she, she, she said, well, what's going on up there? I said, well, we're not even in school. And she said, What? She's like, we, we, can, we don't even have to wear a mask any, everywhere. There's some places, but not everywhere. She's going to the gym. They're going out to eat. And I said, and she was like, you're really behind enemy lines. And I said, yeah, we're really behind enemy lines. And I don't, I don't, I don't know that it's going to get much better, folks. But here's what I do know. We can't go back to our old normal. The church can't go back to what she was. We have to be wholly consecrated for these last days. We have to be wholly invested. Romans 6, 19 says, I speak in human terms because the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Again, writing to a church. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness and the fear of God. This is a new consecration, again, written to a church. Yes. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable Service. That's just what's reasonable. My last scripture is Isaiah 35, 8. It says, And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. If you're consecrated, wholly committed to him, even though you might be foolish sometimes, we won't go astray. What I want to do here tonight is I want to take some time to consecrate ourselves to the Lord. I've been serving God for 27 years and I've never turned away. I've never turned away. I don't think I've gone probably more than a couple Sundays without being in church. But I've gotten comfortable. And through this, God was like, diagnosing my heart. And he was tearing me apart. And he said, Crystal, no, 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 no. This is what's going on. Let the word of God do its work. It's a it's a sword. It's quick, sharp, and powerful than any two-edged sword. And its job is to cut the flesh from the bone. And I'm if I had things to repent for, I'm certainly some of you guys must have. Hopefully I'm not alone in that. Maybe this was just for me. I believe that God is calling us to consecrate ourselves before we go to battle, folks. There's a battle. It's real. And it's going to get hot. It's going to get hotter. And we are going to be sifted. And if you are not fully committed and consecrated to God, you're not going to stand. And there's a remnant coming out of this that's going to be holy unto the Lord. And as I look around, I'm thinking, are these people still going to be with me? Because I'm not going back. I'm going to contend for the faith. I'm going to contend for the word of God. I'm going to contend for the church. I'm going to contend for God's people. Um, Russ, will you come up and play a little bit so we have a little bit of music? If you want to come up to the altar, please come up to the altar. No one's going to think bad of you, think anything of you. I just shared with you all everything God spoke to me. Take this as a time To consecrate yourself to Him. Show your children what it looks like to be consecrated. Show your children what it looks like to be holy, to be different, to be set apart. so faithful folks and all the Lord had asked of us is just to repent to turn away from that present your members present yourself as a slave to righteousness We see this through all out scripture, folks. We are here for this time. You are here for this purpose. You are here for this day. You are here to hear this message. Don't think it was by accident that you came tonight. You are here to hear this message. God brought you here let the Lord diagnose your heart let him speak to you about those things idols of comfort if you've been lethargic and apathetic forgive us for loving anything more than we have loved you that we have loved your word and your things Lord forgive us for seeking things more than we sought after you Lord forgive us when we had a divided heart Lord forgive us for wanting and desiring anything more than we wanted and desired your word. Lord, forgive us for putting other things in our life first ahead of you. Father, we repent. Cleanse us, Lord. Lord, as you said, consecrate yourself, Lord. We, we consecrate ourselves to you, God receive the blood of Christ to cleanse us, renew us. The Lord said addictions are being broken right now. You don't have to do it the world's way, God's way. God has everything we need. God will break it off when you consecrate yourself holy to him. I thank you for deliverance from addictions, God. And we might never go back, God. It will never be a draw for us again, Father, in the name of Jesus. thank you for speaking directly to us God the things that we need to hear and for diagnosing us God that we will be overcomers father that we are more than conquerors God that we will be victorious over this Lord no matter what the world throws at us God we are grounded on the rock of Christ and you will be with us and you will not leave us and you will not forsake us, God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for goodness and mercy, Lord. Your mercy to keep us on the right path, God. would like to extend an invitation to anybody tonight that does not know Jesus. If if you've never repented from your sins, you don't even know what this is about. I'm here to tell you that there is a Savior that wants to save you from your sins. And that without Him, there's no hope of heaven. He is the only name given among men whereby we must be saved you cannot do it on your own. Your strength is not enough. No matter what the world tells you, you are not enough. You are not good enough. You are not strong enough. There's no way you can do it. You need the blood of our Savior to cleanse you from your sins. And to draw you into relationship with the Father. To reconcile you back to God. And you can be called a son and daughter of the Most High God. And if that's you tonight, we want to pray with you. Raise your hand. If you need to come back to the Lord, he said, Lord, I've been so far away from you. Someone wants to pray with you. Don't be embarrassed. Don't let this time pass you by. The time is getting short. You don't want to leave here without being changed. Don't let this time pass you by. Father God, I thank you for the blood of the Lamb. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. God, that you lead us, you guide us, you direct us into all truth. That we have power to overcome every sin and power to overcome the enemy. Power to overcome every addiction. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, let us be consecrated to you, Father. in Jesus, mighty name. Amen.